This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919-1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by cardiologist Dr. Paddy Barrett, chatting all things cardiovascular disease. The way I look at this is that the, the two statistics that everyone should really be aware of is cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death globally and in most developed nations, but it's also the most preventable. 90% of it can be prevented at an early stage if you just follow the right steps and formula. So I look at it as a, a scary opportunity. As ever available on all podcast platforms. You're listening to the best of the Indo Daily, your chance to catch up on the most popular episodes of 2021. Over the time that I'd spoken to John Trainer, this was per- perhaps one of the moments that stuck out in my mind the most. It was September 1995, and we were sitting in the corner of Trainer's favourite pub in Rap Mines, and he had asked to meet me. Now, he wasn't his usual garrulous self. He wasn't as fun, you know, laughing and joking. He seemed genuinely very stressed. I remember he lowered his voice so much that I had to lean in across the table to hear what he was saying. And it was about Veronica Gearn and also John Gilligan, his partner in crime. Less than a week earlier, Gilligan had viciously assaulted Veronica uh, when she went to ask him where did he get his money. And I remember so much what Trainer told me. He said, I told her not to F around with that man, as in Gilligan. And do you see what happened? The man is mad. He feels like he's defending his family. And if anyone crosses that line, they will end up dead. Basically, what he was doing was he predicted the murder of our colleague, Veronica Gearn. Today on the Indo-Daily, the story of how John the coach trainer and John Gilligan shaped modern gangland. Last week, notorious criminal John Trainer died. The drug trafficker was a key player in organised crime for over 40 years. Along with John Gilligan, Trainer was also involved in the murder of Veronica Gearn. I'm Fionn Sheen and you're listening to the Indo Daily. Today I'm talking to Paul Williams, Irish Independent Special Correspondent and the author of Gilligan, the mob boss who changed the face of organised crime. Paul, who was John Trainer? Where did he come from? What's his background? And how did he end up getting involved in criminality? Well, I suppose over 40 years of that the phenomenon of organised crime has existed in Ireland, he's one of the standout personalities. He's played a big role. He's one of the pioneers of the modern gangland as we know it. Um, and he's always been a big player and he was always playing with the big boys. Uh, so he originally grew up in Charlemont Street. Um, he comes from a fairly decent family. Uh, and then he moved, his family moved at one stage to Crumlin, but that's where he became very close to and got to know uh, Martin Cahill, a lifelong friend from childhood. And then they moved to Kildare and his father owned a pub out there and they also owned a Greyhound track. So he, he, he was one of those guys who was not the stereotypical uh, socially deprived, marginalised poor kid who ended up going into crime. He went into crime because he decided to go into crime and everything he did in his life was about that. He was an, an incorrigible, manipulative um, chancer. Um, he was ex- mendacious, 
cunning, clever, charismatic, um, and he played all sides. He was also a, he was a police informant on one side, and he was an advisor and a consultant to the changing organised crime world on the other hand. And it is a testimony to him that he, he died at 73 years of age from what we would call natural causes. I know he died from cancer, but in the gangland world that he grew up in and where he was a player, that was an extraordinary achievement. And it was testimony to his extraordinary uh, innate um, sense of self, self-preservation. So initially he, he worked with Martin Cahill. Mm. But then moved to to working with with John Gilligan. So how did that? How did that? Well, with that dynamic, he, he, him and Cahill were running together from way back in the seventies. So was him, so himself and, and himself and Gilligan. He'd known Gilligan, for example, from the time they're working in the BA, BNI shipping line uh, as two young seamen. And uh, John Trainer took the big John Trainer. He was a big man, and his partner was a very small little man. And he took little big John took little John under his wing and showed him the ropes, and he's older than, than, than Gilligan. But all through 70s, 80s, um, Trainer was very, very close to, to Martin Cahill, who was then the major player in organised crime here. They were running an industrial-scale armed robbery racket. He had several robberies going on per week. He robbed millions. Uh, and and Trainer would have played a big role in setting up, for example, some of the biggest robberies he ever did, like the O'Connor's Jewelry robbery and the Bite Art Collection robbery, which was one of the biggest art heists in the world. The 17 stolen today were said to be worth at least 10 million. They were taken from the library, the music room, and the room known to the staff as the saloon. Of those stolen, the most valuable was this Vermeer, the latter, said to be worth at least £5 million. But anyway, the, the paradigm shift, he ends up in prison, he, he goes to England ends up in prison, Gilligan ends up in prison, uh, Cahill's gang, most of it gets broken up back the late 80s into the early 90s. Um, he comes back from the UK, he gets out of prison in the UK where he's serving a five-year sentence for fraud trainer, uh, and he comes back, Gilligan comes out of prison, Gilligan has decided like a lot of other criminals, there's a paradigm shift going on. They're moving into the drug trade. And Trainer had come to this decision himself as well. And he had spent time in, obviously, in prisons in the UK where he was meeting this new generation of international drug traffickers because, as always, the Brits were well ahead of us in these things. And he had learned, he was very clever. Uh, he learned from everybody else's mistakes, but he also learned from how their methodologies worked and all of that kind of thing. So when Trainer, Gilligan decided to get involved, Trainer was his automatic choice of partner because he knew he was exceptionally clever and he knew that he knew his way around money and laundering and all of that kind of stuff. And that's where that relationship started. But it started initially in 1993, which was significant because Martin Cahill lent them the money to the seed capital, a big chunk of it, about £100,000 or more. To get them going. To get them going. To get their their first shipment. First shipment, yeah. And Trainer designed the business model for them. And it was a very good business model. Um, And then they start making money and the money starts coming in immediately to growing exponentially. Like the increase and the, the dramatic spread of their empire was something else to behold. They were literally expanding by the month. It, the, their market was growing by up to 50% every month or every two months. But they were making so much money and tra- Cahill decides to get, he wants his money back and he was promised 500,000 on a 100,000 uh, investment. At the same time, the IRA started an investigation following an incident in Dublin where one of their a venue they were a function they were had was attacked by the UVF in 1994, just before the ceasefire. Um, ultimately, that suited uh, Gilligan and Trainer because they helped 
convince the IRA that, that Cahill was involved. And basically Cahill then was murdered. And that was the end of it. And from then on, from that until 1996, summer of 1996, they thrived and boomed. Uh, and they built the biggest, one of the biggest, one of the biggest drug trafficking networks in Europe and certainly the biggest ever seen here in, in this country at the time. The minute Martin Cahill is whacked, their business takes off like a rocket. John Trainer is a man who meets with and is an informant uh, for Veronica Gearn uh, in her journalism in the 1990s. How did Trainer come to her attention and how did, how did she make contact with him? Well, she, she was introduced to him because she wanted to, she got some, a third party to introduce her to, to him. She'd heard so much about him and it was around, it was the summer of 1994. It was just, it was just around the time that Martin Cahill was murdered actually. And, uh, um, so she had heard, and we'd all known about Trainer. He was like he was a big name at the time, you know. He was very well known around the place, and he was back a couple of years at this stage. And he was forever the, the, the eternal sort of uh, opportunist and chancer. And he saw a chance here to, you know, aggrandize himself. Basically, like he, that's the way he saw everything. How can I make something out of this? And he was very manipulative, very cunning, and he also saw it as a way of maybe controlling the narrative, so that he could, if he taught, if he was feeding stuff to Veronica, then she'd stay off his back. And he did the same thing with me as well, subsequently after that. Um, and um, that so-called, that business-type rela relationship between them, uh, as complex as it was, continued up until Veronica, the day she was murdered. But in the meantime, you know, extraordinary as it sounds, that even when she was talking to him and he was talking to her, that we now know and did know subsequently that he organised to have her shot in 19, January 1985, almost killed her. The shooting happened shortly after seven o'clock this evening. A man dressed in motorcycle clothing came to the door of Miss Gearin's home in Clochran, North County, Dublin. According to Garda sources, the man pointed a gun at Miss Gearin's head, then lowered his aim and shot her in the leg. She could have been killed and we don't know whether it was intent to kill her, but it, I think the intent was probably to injure her. But the, the bullet narrowly missed an artery in her leg. Um, but the gunman originally did point the gun at her head, so we don't know. We do What we do know about that is that Trainer, Veronica's underworld source, had organised that attack. And um, then in the lead-up to before for Veronica was murdered, she continued to talk to him. I, I never could understand that dynamic, and she warned me several times against him, saying, watch Trainer, watch Trainer, watch Trainer. He's a two-faced bastard, and he'd set you up and all this kind of stuff. But uh, I could never understand the dynamic between the two of them. And... and uh, Right up to Veronica today, just going up to the day of Veronica's murder, um, Trainer was seeking a high court injunction against her and the Sunday Independent to prevent her from writing about him after she threatened to write about him and expose him to the public as a drug trafficker. Here is Veronica Gearn talking uh, at that time uh, about the work that she was doing and the the constant threat that, that she was under. Before I ever got into investigating the criminal under, underworld in Dublin. If I said, okay, over the next 12, 18, 24 months, you are going to have shots fired into your house, be shot yourself and be severely assaulted and that your family are going to be threatened and intimidated. Am I going to get into it? No. I would never have got into it, but having got into it, I cannot walk away from it because it is, it is a, it's a job that must be done and I'm a journalist. 
Why did John Gilligan have Veronica Gearn murdered, Paul? In the whole world that we live in, it's all about money and the legitimate world and the illegal underworld. Um, and he savagely beat Veronica in September of 1995. And ironically, at that time, and I wrote about this in The Independent, trainer told me that he was going to kill her. And I didn't absorb it until the day that I was standing beside her car and, and her body was in the car. Um, but Gilligan absolutely... She went out to ask the question that shamefully we never asked, the state never asked, the, the Irish government never asked. Where did you get the money, John? Where did you get all these millions and you unemployed? And he attacked her because he he had no charisma. He would never. He was not strategic in his thinking processes. He was just a thug and a bully boy, man suffering small man syndrome. And I remember Franica telling me after this attack that he launched on her at, at, when she went out to talk to him at his at his home. It, it, it terrified her more than being shot when she was nearly killed. Um, but she very bravely decided to make a complaint to the Gardaí and Gardaí's got charges against him for assault. He was going to go to prison based on his, his record. He was absolutely sure of going to prison and he was going to get at least a year. Now these guys, by the month, their business was expanding so dramatically at up to about 50% a month it was expanding. It was a big, it was the biggest, most lucrative drug trafficking operation we had ever seen in this country. Uh, and it, he wasn't going to lose, if he went to prison because he held an awful lot of the, the, he was the central, pivotal player in this whole massive drug network. Now, Trainer was a big player in it as well, but Gilligan ensured that he stayed central. So if he was out of the picture, the whole thing could have collapsed and other people would have taken over market share. Uh, so it suited everybody, including Trainer, I believe, even though he denied it vehemently all the way for the rest of his life, that Veronica be murdered. And tell us about that day itself. Veronica Gearn was returning from a court sitting in Nace when her attackers struck. For once, her court appearance was for personal reasons. She had been charged with speeding and feared she was about to lose her driving licence. On the day itself, what we know is Veronica was in this district court where she was up on a speeding charge. Gilligan and the gang knew where she was going to be that day. And this is where Trainer comes in, because it was Trainer who gave them that information. The man who claimed he had nothing to do with her murder. That puts him very much in the frame. Veronica Gearn had twice previously been the victim of gun attacks. Tonight, Gordy aren't ruling out a link with those incidents. But they stress they're keeping an open mind. So they send a, they, they mount this operation and they, they shoot her dead as she pulls up the traffic lights at the, the corner of the Boot Road uh, in Clondalkin. And the rest is history. When news spread that it was Veronica Guerin, in some mysterious way, it touched the Irish soul. People left flowers and cards at government buildings and at offices and factories around the country, there was a national moment of silence. Thousands of people attended the funeral, including the president and the prime minister, and the country wept when her six-year-old son, Caho, kissed his mother's casket in a final goodbye. What impact did Veronica Guerin's murder have in terms of society, politics, the criminal justice system and, and gangland crime itself. It was, the murder of a journalist at that time uh, was unprecedented in Western Europe and it had the, the, the ripple effects of what happened, Veronica Gearn and what happened here, you know, uh, rippled right across Europe 
and through the EU and, and further afield. It is a measure of Veronica Kieran's reputation as an investigative reporter that her murder in Dublin yesterday has shocked colleagues not just in this country but around the world. Earlier this year, she was presented with the prestigious International Press Freedom Award. It led to perhaps the most extraordinarily productive chapter in the history of our Doyle when they, all the political parties came together. They designed uh, and packaged and uh, passed the most comprehensive uh, criminal ju- a raft of criminal justice legislation, reform and amendments we'd ever seen which ultimately led to the Criminal Assets Bureau, which, in my mind, uh, I absolutely believe that the Criminal Assets Bureau, an outstanding law enforcement agency, one of the best in the world still, uh, that is Veronica's legacy. And her lovely mum, Bernie, an absolute lady, uh, absolutely lovely, lovely woman, she always said she wanted that to be Veronica's legacy. What happened to John Traynor? Well, Traynor never came back to Ireland again. He uh, left the country within a couple of weeks of Veronica's murder. Uh, he moved around Europe. Uh, he he was ultimately arrested in Holland um, and he was uh, extradited back to the UK where he had to finish a, a sentence that, that for fraud that he had absconded from in the early 90s. Um, and when he finished that, he came out of prison and he got himself involved in the only legitimate business that he had any real taste for and that was selling used cars, which of course was part of his money laundering exercise. Um, but he... I've no doubt, knowing the man as well as I did, uh, he continued to be involved in some level of criminality. He never, he wasn't a major player anymore. He kept his head down. Uh, and it is extraordinary that he went through his life to 73 and he died an elderly man, um, effectively, peacefully. What about John Gilligan in, in the wake uh, of Veronica Gearn's murder? Well, we know what John Gilligan ended up getting a life sentence for drug trafficking, effectively. He got 27 years and then it was reduced by the Court of Criminal Appeal to 20. But he came out of prison in 2000 and uh, he spent 17 years in the NIC. So he came out of prison in 2013. But here's the thing uh, about him. He came out of prison still as arrogant and as obnoxious and bullying and ambitious and greedy as he was when he ordered Veronica's murder. He came back to the gangland he helped create. Still, it was a huge business in drugs. He wanted to come back and resume his position. And he started going around looking for what he called welcome back money, welcome home money. The thing that had changed that he didn't realize had changed was gangland. He was no longer a big player. He was no longer a man of respect. The Kenhan cartel and there had their tentacles firmly embedded and grasping around the neck of organised crime. So anyone they crossed, anyone he, he, Gillian crossed, the ultimate he was crossing them. The boys went and they shot him. They tried to shoot him first time, they missed. The second time they got him and he was lucky to survive. After that they shot dead his close associate, Stephen Dougie Morn, and his, who was also his so-called bodyguard. Then Gilligan was forced for the first time ever in his life. That was the first time ever he he came out as a broken man. We this iconic front page in the Irish Independent at the time when he was leaving hospital, fleeing for his life in the middle of the night to to go to England, where he stayed for about two years, two and a half years, till he worked out a sort of a peace deal with the with the Kinnahans and came back, just knowing that he wouldn't be whacked. Where is he today? Well, old habits die hard. He was nicked this time last year in Spain uh, as part of an investigation by the National Police in Spain into an international drug trafficking and gun running operation. And he is named as the leader of that gang. So he's currently in the legal process over there, which is totally different to here. And he is facing potentially 
four to five years in prison. Uh, and that is where he is. And he's now 69. He'll be 70 uh, early next year. Um, I don't think the guy has the capacity to stop doing organized crime or stop, stop his criminal activity. I think he'll keep going until he is stopped by either the law or somebody else in criminality. And John Trainer never never charged with anything in relation to Veronica Guerin's murder, despite the fact that it's believed that he provided information on, on her whereabouts on no, the day. No, he was too clever. He And remember, Fiona, he was the architect and the, the designer of their, their business model, this drug trafficking operation. None of the, the fellas, members of the gang who became supergrasses could pin anything on him because he had always very dexterously stepped aside and he wouldn't socialise as much with the rest of the gang as say Gilligan would. Uh, he stepped, stayed clear of it and it was really much testimony to his, his that cleverness of him, uh, for want of a better description, that kept him out of, kept him away from a charge sheet. Now he always vehemently denied he was involved in Veronica's murder but I've just, as we just talked, he was, he was involved. And John Gilligan then is, is acquitted uh, of charges relating to, to the murder. Yeah, he's acquitted because he used in fear and intimidation from his prison cell to vital, vital witnesses refused to give evidence uh, to the court. And I read their statements. Their statements were damning. And not only that, but their statements were were capable of corroborating vital parts of the supergrasses who testified against Gilligan. One of the criticisms that the special criminal court had when it, saw, when it came to the decision to acquit Gilligan was that some of the allegations they couldn't trust the supergrasses and their stuff was was incapable of being corroborated Gilligan had ensured all of that he was still the puppet master Gilligan Gilligan's legacy and trainer's legacy to the world was that they pushed it too far they showed what happens when organised crime is allowed to become so pernicious and so omnipotent that they can do and whatever they want and they woke up the state in a big way Ultimately, ultimately, their legacy is that the criminal drugs, rackets and organised crime we have today, these guys were the godfathers who put together the template. They are the people who showed the way. So when the Regency kicked off 20 years after Veronica's murder uh, and we started looking at much closer the likes of the Kinahan cartel and what they've become, their antecedent history lies in the partnership between John Trainer and John Gilligan. And that was Paul Williams. I'm Fiannan Sheehan, and today's episode was produced by Mary Carroll, researched by Tabitha Monaghan, with sound design by John Smith. Archive flips from independent.ie, RTE and CBS. You can listen to the Indo Daily wherever you get your podcasts.